Good morning. How are we doing, all right? It's good here, isn't it? These are lovely lights, these are. Don't know what you're talking about. Let's just pray, shall we? God, we thank you for your incredible grace to us. Thank you, the Father who loves us deeply. Thank you that you care for each and every one of us. Thank you that you're here now by your Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And Spirit, we give you permission as if we, you know, as if it's ours to do. But we, we know we're involved in this. Lord, we give you permission to, to lead us, to speak to us, to bring light into dark places in our hearts that you want to reveal and you want to heal and you want to change. Spirit, we say, make us go home this morning as different men and women. Lord, we just don't want to come to church much as we love doing it. We want to encounter you afresh every time. We thank you, Lord, that you are moving amongst us. We thank you that we're hearing stories of people being filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time, speaking in tongues for the first time. God, you're at work. You're alive. But we welcome it. We personally invite you to have your lordship in our lives. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we continue our series, uh, which we talk, called The Holy Spirit and You. Sorry, my name's Martin. I didn't say that, but my welcome to you. Uh, we're looking at the series called The Holy Spirit and You. And in fact, I was given the title of Living by the Spirit, uh, which is uh, a, quite a broad title, actually. Uh, but there's a particular aspect of living by the Spirit I want to look at, which comes from Romans 8. Some famous verses to many of us where it talks about we have freedom from condemnation through the Spirit. And then it unpacks our relationship with God that if we get this right, if we get this right, then life in the Spirit flows smoothly. In fact, if we get this right, then our lives as a believer will be in the place where God wants it to be. If we get this right, then we will have freedom from all sorts of things that may hold us back, that may hinder us from living the life that God intended for us. If we get this right, it's amazing. It's really foundational. But when I say it's foundational, if, if you're anything like me and someone says it's foundational, I switch off. Do you do that? I do that. Is it only me? You know, it's almost like we've heard this before. We have heard this before, but actually what we're going to look at is something that we might know in here, but by the Spirit, it goes in here. In fact, that's the role of the Spirit. So often it's something that we may know intellectually. We know what the Bible says. The Spirit then takes that truth and suddenly it becomes something not that we can just repeat and know, well, that's what the Bible says. It becomes life. It becomes living inside us. And so we're going to be looking at how the Spirit takes a truth that many of you, I trust, will know, but actually brings it, brings it to life in us. So I'm looking at the role, long title, the role of the Holy Spirit in our relationship with God the Father. Snappy, isn't it? I tried to think of a shorter version. It didn't come. The role of the Holy Spirit in our relationship with God the Father. And two ways that we could begin to unpack this are these two phrases. We are sons and daughters of God. 
We are sons and daughters of God, and we're talking about the subject of identity and adoption, the doctrine of adoption, if you like. As I said, we can know facts about who we are in God, but actually I want to talk about feelings today. Sometimes we we discount feelings as being emotional. I want to talk about emotion today. You know, love is an emotion, right? You know, my wife doesn't know that I love her because we have a contract somewhere at home that says I will be married to you until the day I die. That doesn't show that I, she's loved. She knows she lo- she's loved, I trust. She's not here to tell you if it's true. Because of other things. Because I express my love in other ways. It's like a father to a, to a child, a, a sort of earthly father to a child, which would love his child, would provide for his child, not be unkind to his child, but could also be distant, remote, and aloof. The child may know that he or she is loved, but doesn't know what it feels like to be loved. Doesn't know what it feels like to be embraced, to be comforted, to be close to his or her father. We're talking about how the Holy Spirit brings truth into our lives and transforms us. I know for me, I was probably in my early 20s when I first encountered God by his spirit in a way that this suddenly became real to me. And I suddenly, I suddenly felt the Father's love. It was wonderful. I was in a time of worship, quite similar to what we've just had, and suddenly there was this wave that came, and I just knew God loved me. It was hard for me to articulate it. If I, you know, I could, I could, could have maybe, could I? Maybe I didn't even know the, 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 the truth behind it, but I experienced it. But for some, some of us, it happens that way around. We, we experience this and then we discover the, the, the truth, what the Bible says. For others of us, we may know what the Bible says, but we're yet to fully experience this. Both is short of what God has for us. As I said, this is about identity. This flows into who we are. And of course, our identity can come from many things. We can find our identity in what job or what role or what salary we have. We can find our identity in positions and titles. We can even find our identity in roles and ministry within the church, which is so dreadfully sad. You sometimes hear this when pastors retire and they feel completely lost. Why? Because it's not about where do I fit in, it's about who am I? And somehow that's been taken from them. I'm a pastor. And I know you're a child. That's your identity. How God uses you as a pastor. Of course, it's not just pastors. You know, worship leaders can lead wonderfully for a time, and then for whatever reason, they may be asked, "Could you create space for someone else?" And they think, "Well, where do I fit now?" Actually, they're not asking where do I fit. They're saying, "Who am I?" And so it's so important that we know what our identity is. It can it can be uh, we can place those values those sense of worth in many things. It can be the car we drive. It can be our reputation. It can be the last thing that we did well. It can be based on our performance and some sort of perfectionism that we've got to get this right because this is, this is who I am. I know that... Uh, uh, I'm going to have to go quickly today, okay? I've, I've dwelled over the first bit. 
It's been good, though, isn't it? But I'm going to go quicker. Right, okay, so last week um, I was in a meeting with some other leaders in our family, and it was during time of worship, and someone came forward and brought a word about reputation. And they said that God wanted to, to help some, some of us as pastors who, who had a problem with reputation. And uh, do you ever get the feeling when you're sat there and there's a word being brought and you're thinking, Lord, you need to tell so-and-so about that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I just pray. I just pray for Rich that he hears this word. Uh, spirit move in his heart, I pray. Uh, and, and, you know, we do one of those moments. Well, I, was in, I wasn't quite in that, in that mode, but I was sitting there thinking, that's a good word. It's not for me. That's a good word. It's not for me. And then I was sitting there, and I felt the presence of God with me, and I, I was just enjoying the moment. And suddenly I had a bit of a flashback to something that happened in May. And it was at the Catalyst Festival, uh, which is when we went and gathered with 5,000 other leaders, sorry, uh, other believers, and we uh, did many things. And one of the things that happened on one night is I was asked to do a 10 or 15 minute uh, presentation on something that I'm involved in, which is the Multiply Conference and church planting in Catalyst, which we've got next weekend. And so I'd spoken to a couple that I wanted to interview as part of of what I was going to do, and then it came to my moment. Now, let me be honest with you, 5,000 people is a lot of people. Now, for me it is. Maybe you do speak to 5,000 people every week, but I was was thinking, Lord, I want to do a good job. I mean, it's for your glory, obviously, but I want to do a good job. Uh, and so I met with a couple, and uh, we discussed with them, and, uh, and, and I noticed the husband, when I asked him a question, he, he spoke for quite a long time. We had a very long, detailed uh, answer. I mean, he was a preacher. I know you don't often hear that of preachers, but you know, he, had, he, he could articulate a few words together. And uh, anyway, so we spoke a bit about it, and then came to the evening, and I did a little announcement, and then I sat down and interviewed this couple. I told the team, the leadership team were in front of me, 5,000 people. And then I'm sat down and I'm interviewing. And I asked, this, I asked my first question. And then the husband began to answer. And he kept talking. And he kept talking. And he kept talking. And it, and it got really embarrassing. And I could tell I was losing I was losing it. I was losing the moment. And uh, it got so bad that I could see his wife was glaring at him and at me. Uh, so she, was, she had another question to come, and we weren't getting to her question. And, and then uh, this went on for a while. I haven't got time to explain, but it went on for a while to the point where I got a text message from one of the teams saying, you, you've only got two minutes left. I mean, they were trying to trap my attention. And then another person wrote, wrote on, on, on a card and walked in front of me <laughs> saying, saying, finish now, please, or something like that. I, I think I saw Simon Holly going, you know this? Uh, I don't know. But it, I mean, it, the, the interview was... Disaster. I know. And uh, in the end, I don't know what we did. We asked another question and wrapped it up, and it was a real rush job. And I remember going to the... I think I went across the team as I went to my seat. I said, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I thought, oh, no, man. Now, last week, I was sitting there thinking, reputation for someone else. And suddenly the Spirit spoke to me. And do you know what he said to me? He reminded me of what happened. He said, yeah, but it was funny though, wasn't it? <laughs> and I sat there and I started to laugh. 
And it wasn't in the Spirit, it was with the Spirit. I mean, there's the Spirit saying, yeah, but it was funny, wasn't it? What about when you got the text message? I, think I actually got my phone up and found the text message. It was like, Holy Spirit, look, two minutes, two minutes. And then the Spirit said to me, Mark, you're a child of God. That's where your identity is. Now, I'm not the only person, I think, that have those moments. Right, let me read from God's word and we'll unpack this. Romans 8, 14, verse 16 says this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption into sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Let's unpack this. Number one, the Spirit leads us, but actually leads us into holiness. I mean, the Spirit does lead us in our life. But actually, the Spirit leads us into holiness, is what that verse is referring to. In fact, the verse before says this, If you live by the Spirit, you put to death the misdeeds of the body. So this is the Spirit involved in our life, enabling us to live the lives we wished we could live. To be a better dad, a better mum. To be a better work colleague. To be a better, a better son or daughter. That, that's what this means. To not be drawn into wrong thinking and ugly thoughts and stuff that you think, I wish I didn't do that. The Bible says be filled with the Spirit. And the Spirit will lead you in holiness. You won't be perfect. That comes when we meet Jesus face to face. But the Spirit is a deposit on this earth in order for us to lead a different type of life. Not to be held back by the old life, but actually to have God working in us. I mentioned a few weeks ago that, that I've really felt the Spirit not only challenge me, but help me in this. You know, I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a be, I'm a nicer driver than I used to be. I found myself, uh, you know, cursing other drivers and calling people idiots and stuff. I mean, they did some silly things, but, you know, and I felt the Spirit say, Mark, don't do that. I thought, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that person. The Spirit leads us. So this isn't a message that says you've got to be better. You've got to work harder. You've got to, you've got to be a better person. I mean, please don't hear that. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says be filled with the Spirit. And then the Spirit will lead you in holiness or righteousness. Do you understand? So if you're sitting there thinking, if I'm honest, Mark, you don't have to shout it out, obviously. I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this. And I'm struggling to do this. The Bible says be filled with the Holy Spirit and allow him to lead you in holiness. Secondly, the Spirit replaces fear with freedom in our relationship with God, which then impacts everything. So it begins with our relationship with God. It's talking about that we were, uh, the old relationship, as it were, was with an a, a overbearing, a, a, a judgmental understanding of who God was. And now the Spirit brings us into a place of freedom and free from fear. And our relationship with God is now a relationship with a God who loves us and accepts us and we can come boldly into his presence. 
And of course, if we get that right, it flows into the rest of our relationships. Because if we think God is an overbearing, critical God, then actually we probably think others around us are overbearing and critical. And we then find ourselves trying to uh, perform to others and try and uh, earth our identity in something other than being a child of God. The Spirit replaces fear with freedom in our relationship with God. Thirdly, which unpacks this further, the Spirit brought about your adoption to sonship. Your adoption to sonship. Now, let me read a quote from a guy called F.F. Bruce, who is a theologian, a a brilliant man, and he wrote this about adoption. He's got a very flowery language, which is quite amusing. I think it is anyway, but, but it really unpacks what adoption is. He says this, The term adoption may smack somewhat of artificiality in our ears. Now, most of us speak in those terms, don't we? What that means, you're thinking, what does that mean? It basically means we might not, when we hear adoption, we might not get it. That's what he's trying to say. Because of what we think about adoption today, when we hear the word adoption, he says it might smack in our ears artificially. You may not get it. And then he unpacks what it means to understand what adoption means to be adopted by God. He says this, But in the first century AD, an adopted son was the son deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to perpetuate, that means continue indefinitely, to always be, his name and inherit his estate. He was in no way inferior status to a son born in the ordinary course of nature and might well enjoy the father's affection more fully and reproduce the father's character more widely. So the doctrine of adoption is saying actually God chooses us. It's not as we would understand adoption today. God chooses us. And in fact, how it was in, in, in these times was, was almost the affection for the adopted son was, was almost greater than a natural born son. Now we may have questions about that, but that's not the point. It's trying to convey this is what it's like for God to say, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're chosen. It's not, it's not you just happen to be my son, but it's no, no, I choose you, I want you. I want to love you, I want to accept you. That's what it means to be adopted. And we continue, the Spirit brings us to an intimate relationship with our Father in heaven. The words in those verses says that the Spirit helps us and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. Abba is Aramaic. Father, the, the word written for Father is written in Greek, which again is a sign that this is for all nations. But actually the Aramaic, the word Abba, we don't have a word in our language. Dad is close, but it's not doesn't doesn't really catch it. But it is an everyday word. It's like a homely word. It's it's an affectionate word. It's the word that Jesus used many times when he spoke to his father. He called it Abba. So the Spirit helps us to understand that God is not an overbearing God, not a strict God. He's a God that's like Abba. There's intimacy, as well as reverence, but there's intimacy. The Spirit, five, testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. We are God's children. John Bunyan said these words. 
Here is the quintessential or best example verse concerning the highest category of Christian assurance. A believer may be assured from reading the Bible that he is an adopted child of God. Yet if that Bible is taken from him, what then? But if that same believer be in prison, because Bunyan was in prison, none can take from him that witness of the Holy Spirit engraved upon his soul that speaks in biblical terms of adoptive blessing. Do you understand? So the Spirit will take what we can read, but actually will bring life. Another commentator said this. How is it that receiving the spirit of adoption enables us to cry out, Abba, Father? The Holy Spirit is not only instrumental in making us God's children, he also makes us aware that we are God's children. For sake of time, I'm going to skip probably to the last slide. Headed living as child of the king. So what does this mean? What does it look like to really know this? To know that we're sons and daughters. Not because not the Bible tells me so, but that something in here has happened. Well, there's some things that I think we see happen in our life. The first is this. It's about identity. Can we go to the last slide, please? Thank you. We are free to be who you are. There's no need to try and perform or be something different than you are. Have you noticed on social media, social media what we do is we, we, we project an image of ourselves that isn't real. It's a great pretense. You know, selfie ready. I do a few selfies, I know. But hey, I look good before I, you know, yeah. And, and you don't know how many I take before I, you know, post that one. If, I mean, there's a whole world trying to say, you've got you to be this, you've got to be this. If you're a child of God, then we are free to be who God has made you because he's chosen you just as you are. Secondly, we can take risks. We can take risks. I can stand in front of 5,000 people and mess it up. Now, the funny thing is, is I spoke to some people this last week and said, hey, do you know this is what God's been doing to me? You were there. It was funny, wasn't it? And they looked at me and said, you did fine. Ah, it wasn't half as bad as I thought it was. But I went away thinking, reputation, reputation. But I'm now free to take risks and it's okay to try and fail. Amen? (laughs) This preaches a risk, I know. Next, freedom. Choices and decisions are motivated by love. Choices and decisions are motivated by love. And finally, authority. Authority to advance the kingdom. When we become children, we get it all. And God commissions us and equips us and empowers us. Let's stand together, shall we? Ask the band to come and join me. What I'd love us to do is sing this song. But if you know that this is an area that either today or maybe for a while you've just known that you just haven't got it in here. You just there's, there's, you sort of understand here that you're a child. But in here, 
that identity is not secure. And you haven't got that assurance. And the way you can know that is because you, you, you find yourself needing to uh, secure your identity in other things. Be it reputation. Be it the job you do. Or the car you drive. Or whatever it may be. And I really would encourage you, if you're not clear on that, you're not looking at me, look at me. It's really important. I really want us all to know how much we are sons and daughters of God. Amen? So I tell you, as we sing, I'd love, if you know that this is something you want to connect with God, you want the Spirit to do that in your heart this morning, I ask you to come forward. Uh, and we just want to give an opportunity for people to respond as we sing this song. Amen? Amen. Great, thanks. Sorry.